0: What's up everyone? April 24th, 2018. Welcome to this edition of Washington Football Crunch, the official podcast of Washington Football Culture. I'm Micah Chen, joined alongside, as always, Luke Monger of Dogman and Jackson Garner of the Daily Evergreen. Look, we want to give you an early heads up. There are going to be NFL draft spoilers on this show. What teams that you'd up? and WSU players end up on. It's all going to be leaked right now. So if you want to keep it a surprise, I would advise you wait until Thursday. It drafts on Thursday, right? I, I, I want to mm-hmm. make sure. I get it. Yeah, yeah, okay, good. So drafts on Thursday. If you if you don't want those spoilers leaked right now, I definitely wait until then. How is it going to work? Jackson and Luke will be giving their draft predictions. I'm going to rate how fire each prediction is with a number grade 1 through 10 and a sound effect. I have figured out how to mix sound effects into the show, <laughs> and when we get on Mixler, this will be a hell of a lot easier for me to do. Uh, get, get kind of get more uh, sound clips, sound effects, but that'll come down the line. That'll come in fall. Now, if well, it is, a, whoa,
1: I'm, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm really disappointed that me or Luke don't get to control. We don't get to have any control on the soundboard. This is just Micah. Don't, just don't
0: worry. You don't. You don't need. You don't need to control it. it I, that I like I some. It. I like some balance of powers
1: <laughs> in my podcast. You know, I don't. I don't know, like you just hogging. <laughs> the Not sound
0: that control yeah. sound effects, but I can mute you whatever I want to so it's a, it's kind of a double win for me <laughs> but no, i I got all the power with this right now, and hey if it's a good prediction, you might get a nice little if it's uh if it's uh like a really really good prediction, you could get a uh... Yeah, that's okay. only reserved so for A lot the, of air uh, the horns. <laughs> There's always uh the oh, classic. Yeah. Legendary. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> good, uh Yeah, so you don't you gotta be careful with that though, because you're trying not to get that. Uh we have a clown horn just in case. What for what for? But uh just in case we need a clown horn. Just, just but, a yeah. classic
1: a <laughs> classic already, sound. You can't not no. have that sound in, on a soundboard. It's recognizable
0: worldwide. Like any type of sound effect for you're going to have the clown horn. And if a prediction is so fire that we need to alert the government. (laughs) That's my goal. So in case that we like, it's just out of this world. Now, now this is my personal favorite because it kind of goes back to my theory that I kind of control the show. Um, if, Oops, sorry about that. I'm 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 trying to use the soundboard right now to my advantage. Uh, if if your prediction is starting to fall a little bit flat, I can literally play. Uh, what is this? A vacuum cleaner? Can you hear me right now? This is awful. I can play a vacuum cleaner. This right is terrible. It <laughs> it can drown you. And I can basically just start to drown you out. So that, uh, that, that, that's needs, a prediction. That's,
1: that needs to be like five seconds shorter. <laughs>
0: No, we get. We, I'll play it for thirty seconds if I'm not liking where you're going with your with your uh, with your take right now. But nonetheless, that's our sound effect bar. We got some more coming up. I'll, I'll leave some surprise in there as well. Yep. Uh, let's get into the first player on our board. It's the probably the biggest name coming out of the state of Washington. It is Vita Vea UW, defensive tackle. Chris Peterson said that he's going to go to Dallas with Vita Vea. He's going to be there on draft day, and we know that Vita Vea is going in the first round. But the question is, where in the first round do you think he's going to go, Luke?
2: Yeah. So. I think Vita Vea. I've I've seen him going 11th to the Dolphins, 13th to, gosh, who's going 13? Uh, the Washington Redskins, and I've seen 19th to the Cowboys. I my personal take is I would be just absolutely shocked if he made it out of the top 10. And maybe I'm drinking the the Vita Vea Kool Aid a little bit, but you know y- you think of Vita and uh, I think there's a little bit of a misperception of him just because of his size. It's 6'4", 347 pounds. I think you kind of bottle him in as an interior defensive lineman that is a two-down kind of guy that can really clog up some lanes and stuff like that. Uh, But Vita at UW played both the nose, three-tech, and five-tech at almost like a pretty, almost like even third split for those. And uh, he was also by far, according to Pro Football Focus, the best pass rusher on Washington's team, and it wasn't even close. So I think he's a guy that's a three-down player, an immediate impact player. There are several players uh, in the top 10 that I've seen are looking for defensive linemen. You look at a team like Tampa Bay that lost one of uh, their starting defensive tackles. That's Chris Baker. He started 15 games last year. He visited Oakland. Oakland is another team that apparently is in kind of the market for a defensive tackle. Uh, So my, I guess my bold prediction is he's going seven to Tampa Bay.
0: Swag. No, I feel it, I like man. It. Going to going to Florida. Gonna be uh gonna be a top seven pick. and You think it's gonna go into a seventh overall to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Um it's a little bit you know, you won't be a chance to see him very much because uh, you know, no. Seattle doesn't really play Tampa very much. But uh nonetheless, I mean that is that is a bold prediction and it's it's uh it's it's not something that you would predict just being safe. You know, say, oh, he's going to be a top 15 pick. No, he's going to go number seven. But let's go to WSU's most featured player, Luke Falk. Now, first thing I want to say about Luke Falk is that this guy is not an underdog, okay? Third or fourth mm. round, that's that's where I project him to go. That like, There's no shame okay. in that. Like, there's nothing okay. wrong with well,
1: well, pick. Well, here's why it's tricky. And here, here's, because just the drafting of the quarterback position, and, and this is why... Me, the situation I'm being put in is there's really a no-win situation here because how quarterbacks get drafted are in waves, and, and there's essentially the first tier of quarterbacks and there's the second tier of quarterbacks. What's tricky is a lot of people have Luke Falk at the end of the first or the beginning of the second, so really Which makes no, him a third or fourth-round pick. Nothing wrong with that. Well, not necessarily because and here I'll show you what I mean because I, I looked at some of the other guys who I kind of put in the same category. Um, and this is from last year's draft alone, if I can pull this up. So guys who were projected to be as high as second rounders, but also as low as fourth rounders here, here's how they ended out. Davis Webb, he got drafted in the third round. Deshaun Kaiser got drafted in the second round. Nathan Peterman got drafted in the fifth round. Also another guy in 2016 who looked a lot like who very similar situation to fall Connor cook. He went in the fourth round. So I'm getting put in a bad situation here, having to try and decide when this quarterback wave is going to go. But considering how much you know the Patriots have shown interest in him, and I think there's a number of teams. I've also heard stuff that you know uh, a team you know kind of in in the North, kind of in NFC, AFC North. Probably not going to be the best fit for him playing in, in the cold weather. He's more of a, a, a dome quarterback. But I'm looking in the third round here, and I am liking I'm liking New Orleans at 91. No 91st way. overall pick.
0: Because I was thinking Arizona Cardinals. I've been taking a, a deep look into him right now. Uh, the Miami Dolphins have kind of factored him into their
1: plans as well. But you're yeah. thinking the New Orleans Saints are going to want to take the shot with him. I think so. I think uh Arizona at Seventy nine. That's just that's going to be a little bit of a reach for them. And and see again, that may not be a reach if other guys, you know, in that, you know, this is going to depend heavily on where Lamar Jackson gets drafted. If you see Lamar Jackson go, Luke Falk could be next. So like, you got to take that prediction with a little bit of a grain of salt. And and quarterbacks start flying off the board. You know, someone's someone's going to take him.
0: Very very. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, man, like you're, you're, you're saying take it with a grain of salt. Uh, and you hadn't, man, I was about to Lord the government because I, I thought that, you know, that was a huge prediction saying that he's going to go to New Orleans Saints. But you're saying there's too much variation to know for sure. Uh, but let's look at, um, okay, we talked about the two biggest names and now we got to talk about a name that we thought was going to be big.
2: Uh, we thought was going to be here. And that's Azeem Victor. Yeah, I think there is a chance uh, that he, like you said, doesn't get drafted. I think there's a lot of risk associated with Azeem Victor because there's a lot of unknown just because he missed essentially 2016 and onward uh, in November, obviously, when he broke his leg against USC for UW, dub uh, He saw limited playing time the next season. He obviously missed the remainder of that season. And uh, so you never really got to see fully how he responded from that injury. And uh, yeah, so limited playing time. He got in trouble off the field twice in the course of like six months for the UW, uh, which is something that was uncharacteristic of a guy who... Started a charity, Azim's Dream, where he would uh, raise, I guess, money to get supplies and uh, help kind of underprivileged students in the LA area, which is where he's from, uh, to kind of like achieve academic success. Because he was kind of a, he was kind of a, a long shot story of a kid who kind of struggled in high school and then went on to becoming a UW graduate in four years. So he he was trying to help other people achieve that dream. So obviously he has. That good off the field side to him, but that bad off the field side to him kind of came out and probably raised some question marks. I don't think anyone who knows Azim would uh, have any problem like going to bat for him and and being an advocate for him, saying that he is obviously a stand-up and great person. But I think that off the field issue will be a concern. And then going onward, like I said, there wasn't a lot of tape that he put out last year. He was kind of buried in the depth chart by the time that he was back. Uh, from his suspension behind guys like Ben Burke Curvin, Keyshawn Bieria, DJ Beavers, and even guys like Brandon Wellington. And uh, so then the combine, I think, was really where uh, like he had an opportunity to really prove himself as that physical freak that people were expecting. And it, it wasn't like he had a bad combine at all. He ran a 4.72, which is pretty impressive for an inside linebacker, 32.5 inch uh, vertical jump almost a 10-foot broad jump, showing that he's a great athlete, but it wasn't kind of those off-the-charts numbers you were expecting from the physical freak Azim Victor was showing himself to be during his sophomore season and the beginning half of his junior season. I think that he's a guy who could make a roster just for his special teams what he brings to the table in that regard, and I think that his size, obviously, at 230 pounds, he's a thumper in the middle, and I think he could develop into a reliable player, but I think there are just a few question marks that could end up pushing him kind of out the back of the draft into the seventh round or even into the undrafted range.
0: Now, that's not on you, Luke. That's just uh, his career trajectory right now. And, uh, and, and but it 's very encouraging to, to hear that even though he won 't get drafted he 'll be able to still be on a roster and eventually prove to a lot of people that this is his career path, and he he 's going to have a career in the nFL and even though hasn 't been going too well for him lately he 's going to pick it up and he 's going to kind of turn things around because he 's really not he hasn 't dug himself too much of a hole right now. Uh, I think that this is something that he can get out of uh, pretty pretty quickly once he finally does make it onto a roster now let 's look at the heart and soul of wc 's defense Hercules Mount Alpha. He's been described as having a lower ceiling due to his awkward build. 6'1", 254. two hundred fifty four. We're not really sure what to do with him right now. He might be a career backup. Maybe this is a special teams player. Not many scouts are writing about this guy. Are you a little bit more uh, bullish on Hercules often in this draft? Like, I know, I know that's a player you're supportive of him. No, I think, think going go
1: this draft. I think, I think a lot of people. There's definitely mixed opinions on him, but he is certainly you know a classic example of a high ceiling, low floor guy, and. and I mean, USA today called him the most versatile pass rusher in the class. So, I mean, that definitely says something about, you know, he's not, he's not at the top of everyone's board, but he's certainly on people's radar. And, you know, it, it's tough for him because he's really caught in this limbo here where, you know, he doesn't really know where he's going to play. People think he's too small to be the three technique where, where he essentially made all of his chips in in college, but then the question is, you know, do teams like his pass rushing ability enough for him to take a, for them to take a chance on him to be the other to to be an edge rusher when there are so many other edge rushers in the class? And I think what's going to most likely end up happening here is a a three four defense team that that's willing to take him in a, as a project guy, and because you know if he's in that three four technique. They can have some flexibility with him. They can, they can line him up as, you know, a, a defensive end, kind of the versatile defensive end, or they can stand him up in the rush linebacker position. But uh, as, as for my prediction, I've been looking at the board, and my heart my heart tells me that he's going to go to Seattle at uh, with the 120th pick in the I'd fourth be down round.
2: i Hercules Matoffa.
1: That's that's exactly opposite of what I just had said in terms of a three-four. Okay, well, let me explain this. Let me explain mm-hmm. this. Now I just said that he's going go to go to
0: No, it's good. Most, it's good. Yeah, he's going to
1: Seattle. I know. Mm-hmm. The, I, and you know, I I said he was just going to go to a three-four team, and obviously the Seahawks are not a three-four team, but they do. Love flexible defensive linemen. and that's exactly what Hercules is. And you know, I think if he's there towards the bottom of the fourth round, um, which I do believe he will be there, you know, the Seahawks are are right there for someone who who would be willing to bring in a project guy f- at the defensive line position. And, and I mean, some teams that that could potentially take him above that, you know, you got Baltimore. Who's two slots right above that? Let's see. Gosh, and then Arizona. So I mean, those are two teams. Well, then you got Green Bay too. Oh no! Excuse me. No, no, no. That's Cleveland. So I, I don't think Cleveland will end up taking him. But I think, <laughs> I think the Seahawks is where my heart tells me he's going to go. But I could, you know, somewhere in that fourth round range.
0: All right, we're going to see him at the bottom of the fourth round. That's the prediction right now. Now, UW's top wide receiver, Dante Pettis, he might have otherworldly return skills, but don't you dare compare him to returners. You know, he doesn't want to be the next Cordell Patterson, doesn't want to be the next Ted Ginn Jr. He wants to be one of the, one of the very few receivers that returns that also, or maybe he wants to be a receiver that happens to happens his return kicks. Uh, but the teams that draft him should use him in both roles, but we know that's not the case for some teams out there. They might just want to use, use him as a
2: returner. Where do you see Dante Pettis going in this draft? So I think Dante Pettis, this is obviously not a, a comparison of the type of receiver that he is, but I think it's the way that teams can kind of look at him. When you think of the Seahawks drafting Tyler Lockett in the third round, they were looking for a guy that could step in and return their punts uh, because the year before, what was it? Is the Juanita Rebel, Brian Walter, right? Who was returning punts for the Seahawks. And then I think he led the NFL in fair catch percentage. Uh, so he was a guy that was kind of a stagnant punt returner. He obviously got the job done, didn't muff anything, uh, but they wanted to take a step up in that regard. And then Tyler Lockett emerged as a weapon as like in the receiving game as well as in the passing game. Uh, I can see Dante Pettis kind of being that kind of guy. I don't think just based off of his performance last year, obviously two years ago, he had a fantastic year, uh, but last year, uh, stepping into that number one role without the kind of support of John Ross and the attention that John Ross requires. His numbers did go down substantially. I think that some teams might be concerned about that when they're trying to address a heavy need at receiver. However, I could see a team that needs to kind of address a punt return situation and needs receiver depth as well. I think Dante Pettis could kind of slot into that role. So I have two teams in mind here um And so first I'm going to say 92nd kind of back of the third round to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers There are two reasons that I think this makes sense. Obviously uh, they have a very top heavy and impressive receiver group. They have Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant and Juju Smith Schuster. Each of those guys uh, had 600 or more yards receiving last year uh, and combined for 19 touchdowns. It's an impressive group, no doubt. Uh, And then Eli Rogers was next in targets with 36 targets. That's like two a game. And then after that, you have Justin Hunter with 10. And then like Darius Hayward Bay with three. Right. So this is a group without much depth. And then you look, their kick returners were Eli Rogers and then Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is a dynamic player, obviously. That might kind of be like, then why would they need uh, yeah, exactly it's like why would they need a pun return? Well, you look at his punt return numbers over his career. In 2013, he returned 32 punts, and then 30 the next year, and then 22, and then 15, and then 11. And then his yards per return went from 12.8 to 10.6 to 9.6 to 9.3 to 5.5. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that his return numbers are going down. (laughs) If you aren't returning as many kicks, you're obviously not as likely to kind of get that one like 75-yard touchdown run to help that average. But I think they're looking to transition him out of that role. He's going to be a 30-year-old this year. Uh, I think that Dante Pettis could step in and be an explosive punt returner, and then be kind of that fourth receiver for an already established offense and enjoy some success in that role.
0: I'll give that a nine and a half out of ten because Pittsburgh, it's got a it's got a swagger to it, and I think Dante Pettis would fit that culture very much so on the high power offense. Now the WCU offensive line has one player coming out of it right now, Cole Madison. He's been linked with the Cowboys, Packers, and has even visited the Seahawks, visited the Seahawks. He is seen as a sneaky immediate star. So maybe, you know, your first three options weren't there, but all of a sudden, Cole Matheson's still on the board, you know, mid to late rounds. Somebody that you could start, albeit you probably wouldn't want him to start, but nonetheless, this guy has the ability to do it. Do you see him going to the Cowboys as he's been, rumored, as he's been linked to several times already?
1: Yeah, well, see, I, I like the fit with the Cowboys. The problem is I just feel like every time someone gets linked that closely to a team, they just never end up going there. Like someone else always ends up taking it, or never really quite works out. So I'm not gonna necessarily predict that he's going to the Cowboys, but I do like that fit. And I think you know Cole being so athletic, he is a guy that that can you know contribute immediately, and, and you know he's got the frame to play the guard. But I think you know not being talked about as much, what people love about Cole so much is his durability. I mean, he played 47 games at the right tackle position for the Cougs, and 39 of those were in a row. And people love, you know, reliable alignment. You don't want to have to be, you know, worrying about playing, you know, having a guy behind him who's going to have to step up for presumably when he's out. And Cole has done the exact opposite of that, and he just shows out every single game. So, you know, he's a tough-as-nails kind of guy. But I do see him. You know, he's not the elite level at, of athleticism. He, you know, he's not Andre Dillard athletic. athletic. He is kind of, uh, you know, one of those tough as nails kind of guy with a surprise, at, surprising athleticism. So for me, I have him going thirty fifth, or no, excuse me, in the fourth fourth overall, 135th, thirty fifth, fourth round, hundred thirty fifth overall to the Los Angeles Rams. Just Two picks before the Dallas Cowboys select at
0: 137. The Utah tight end Will Disley. I think a lot of teams are going to like him. Some boards actually have him going to the Seahawks in the late fifth round, maybe even sixth or seventh round. And what he can he can do something that not many others can do, and that's his ability to be a superior blocker. But at the same time, it's not a desirable skill. It's not like a high in demand. So while he's one of the few that can make blocking his strength. That doesn't mean it's going to carry over into his draft stock. Would you like to see Will Disley go to the Seahawks, Luke? I think
2: I would love it. Obviously, uh, I just in like obviously they lost two of their tight ends, so they will need a tight end this year. Losing both Luke Wilson and uh, and Jimmy Graham, I don't know how I almost blanked on Jimmy Graham's name, nah. but uh, like I don't know what it is. Just Will Disley is like he just doesn't uh, and. It, I just don't think what, he fits. What doesn't enamor him about you? <laughs> no, I I love Will Disley. I think he's a great tight end. He just doesn't fit where I think the Seahawks are kind of going. You know what I mean? Well, they need somebody to
0: protect Russell Wilson a
2: little bit more. Out of yeah, but his that's line the lineman. thing. Like, I think once you want to go in that direction, if you were the I, Seahawks right now. Yeah, but like, I don't know if they draft a tight end just to have him be like a sixth lineman. You know what but I mean?
0: He's a seventh round pick. He's a later round pick.
2: Like, that's a, yeah, that's I guess. Yeah, like, I don't do. know that he actually is. Like you, don't, you, you think he's a well, UDFA I he, guy? I, I just don't. No think no, he no, is no, for the no 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 no. I think he's earlier. I think he's earlier. Oh okay okay
1: yeah. What were you saying, Jackson? I just don't think he's a seventh round pick for the C. Se- I think the Seahawks. I I think whoever's saying Disley will go at five. That's probably that's probably a stretch. I I think he's a seventh round guy. I mean, and and I could be wrong on that, but like Not I think according six, to Mayak. Mike Mayock, really? I mean, yeah, yeah. No, he Mike Mayock said the that he top. was the,
2: the fifth best he was, tight end in the class.
1: yeah, the fifth best tight end in the class. Which you know, and I see why he likes him because you know, Disley just doesn't do anything wrong. He doesn't do anything great necessarily. Maybe no. his blocking, he's maybe he, he. I would say he's he's a, a great blocker for a tight end. But yeah, he's incredible. You know, long he doesn't too. he doesn't really you know he doesn't you know have eye popping numbers or anything. But he he does well in you know. What uh, probably a more West Coast system, and I think if you could get him in, you know, where he is the second, third tight end, and in, in uh, on the staff, and you know, he's not necessarily his his route tree doesn't have to be as advanced. He just has to you know go run out in the flat and, and do do the the little things that's going to be required from your second or third tight end, mm-hmm. and you know, Atlanta that seems like a really great fit for him. Uh, yeah, you know, like Washington, some of those, you know, where they use a lot of tight ends and they get him involved in different ways.
2: Uh yeah, I mean I I I I see what you're saying. I kind of agree with that. Yeah. I, I don't think any team would draft him to be their guy uh that's like, you know, I just don't think the NFL utilizes tight ends in the way that Will Disley is best utilized, no. at least starting tight ends. You know what I mean? Uh well yeah. So I think that yeah I think he's best served as a second tight end a guy you can bring in in two tight end sets, um, like I don't know it, it, it's well, that's interesting. the thing I like, don't think, just, I don't think team?
1: he is I don't think he's a starting tight end anywhere I think he is a really good even may, may even great second tight end and I think there you yeah. know there is a difference because your first tight end's you know obviously going to want to be you know more of a route runner more of a threat in the passing game whereas your second one can be a little more of a versatile blocker slash yeah. catcher.
2: There's kind of a, not not like a super hot take, but like a sort of interest, like my kind of take was that he would be, <clears throat> he would go in the fifth. That's maybe me just sipping mm-hmm. the Kool-Aid here. But the team that I was kind of thinking, and it, it's kind of unconventional for kind of what it, their perception is, uh, but the Wyans, and they are a team... <laughs> okay. They are a team that also lost two tight ends, Eric Ebron and Darren Fells. Both went their own way, mm-hmm. uh, signing with uh, with uh, I guess the Colts and the Browns, respectively. Um, so their a team they they did bring in Luke Wilson, but I think that losing two tight ends, you're kind of looking for that second guy. I think Will Disley is a guy who could obviously help in the run game. The Lions aren't a team that is necessarily known for running the ball, but they did bring in LeGarrette Blunt this offseason.
0: Yeah, they're trying. They, they've been to trying believe, for a few which, years now.
2: Yeah, that, and that leads me to believe that they might be tired of slinging the ball all over the field with Matt Stafford and just throwing balls up to Marvin Jones. So I think that like that, that was just kind of my take, but it, it it wasn't a super educated one as much of like, a, hmm, this seems interesting. Maybe they're trying mm-hmm. to run the ball more, and Will Disley— and they don't have a six-round pick, so that helped me justify Will Disley going in the fifth.
0: But uh, let's look at the next WSU player on our list right here, Tavares Martin Jr. Very unimpressive showing at the Combine. He ran a miserable 4.840, and the locker room blues are killing him. You look at every scouting report, the first weakness that's listed is that he is a locker room headache. He hasn't been able to shake that label, and undeservedly deservedly so that he still has it. Tavares Martin Jr., will teams even give him a shot as an under free agent?
1: That's a good question. Um, And, and, you know, there has been little to no talk about uh, Tavares Martin Jr., uh, which leads me to believe that he won't get picked up. But I don't know. You know, it's like a tough situation. It's like how much does Tavares Martin want it, you know? You you see what he did at at the draft or the draft combine, you know, running a 4-8 like – you don't really get the sense that Tavares Martin Jr. wants it that much. So, like, are, are there is there going to be a team that wants to go and, and take a chance on someone who's known to be, you know, a locker room headache? Like, that's not the kind of guy you want to go take a chance on. Like, you want, if you're going to go take a chance on a, a, a guy who has, you know, locker room issues, you want that guy to be, a, you know, a freak on the field. That's not what Tavares Martin, you know, he's a lengthy receiver who's probably going to struggle against more physical cornerbacks in the NFL, um, doesn't have a, a very impressive route tree. Um, you know, there there are too many knocks on Tavares Martin Jr. for anyone to, for, and this is me personally, I don't know, maybe there are teams that, that. Uh, are interested in him. But if they are, you know, we haven't heard about it. Um, So I don't see it. I don't see it happening. And I, I yeah. think you'd be pretty hard pressed to find someone who, who is in Tavares Martin Jr.'s boat right now. Cause it, it not, seems it's like. Not role, yeah. Yeah. It's not the role. Yeah, It's not
0: the role teams to play therapist right now. Tavares Martin Jr. sounds like somebody that's a uh, very immature. That's, that's the word that's, you definitely should
1: be. Yeah. And as. you know, well, he tried to, he tried to kind of mend or kind of mend the bridges that he burned with Coach Leach. Um, I don't know how who, who well that— Who said
0: no to that? Wasn't it uh, Mike Leach that set the buzz off? Wasn't it—he uh, didn't uh, want to talk to him.
1: Yeah, I can't remember what exactly happened to—what th- the conclusion of it was. But, I mean, I could see that being more trying to save face for the draft— yeah, to if, a genuine... if something
0: did happen, it was a very half hard effort. It didn't look like he yeah. was like, "Oh, hey, you want to talk?" No, okay. Like it's yeah. a, all right, it's... right. But let's let's try and get a little positivity in the room right now. We talked Coleman Shelton, featured UW offensive of lineman. We roasted this guy for
2: being a little bit undersized at the combine. Uh, but where do you think that he's going to fall in this draft? I think he's another. Uh, I think he's kind of an undrafted guy, which is unfortunate because, like. I love Coleman Shelton, and every Husky fan does love Levon. Or, I mean, what am I saying? Levon Coleman, Coleman Shelton. They're both named Coleman in some regard. Both but, uh, offensive
0: players. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, not Coleman. Not, 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 Coleman,
2: not, not Levon. Well, Coleman, it, it, just, if they'd come out in two, t- or two back sets sometimes. But uh, Coleman is like... What's so fun about him is, I mean, just like his, his career arc, being a two-star recruit out of high school, he comes in, and over the course of five years at UW, he started at every position on the offensive line at least once. Uh, was a three year consistent starter for the Huskies. Uh, just a very, very well liked and successful player at the University of Washington. Definitely a leader along the offensive line. He has like all the intangibles he could ever want, but the tangibles are what aren't super exciting for Levon Coleman. He's <laughs> like, he's not unathletic by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but it's 6'3, 295. He's not very big. Uh, yep, uh, and if you look pounds. at any just sort of evaluation of the player that he is, it all comes down to the fact that, like, yeah, he's a good <laughs> athlete and he can move. But, like, when it comes down to it, he's doesn't have the strength to be a one-on-one blocker, uh, like, can get overpowered at times. Like, all these things just a bit, essentially saying that he doesn't have the size or the strength to be a reliable NFL starter. And for that reason, I think that teams will pass on him. I think that he is a player that could make a roster just because of his positional versatility. Uh, He's a guy that could play, uh, like, it would be unlikely for a guy at 6'3 to play tackle in the NFL in any capacity, but he could definitely play any of the interior offensive line positions, uh, which is why I think that he would be definitely, like, a priority-free agent. I could even see him staying local, a team like the Seahawks, who, you know, in the past have been fine with tinkering with positions along the offensive line, uh, and, and are, are fond of guys who are positionally versatile. Justin Britt starts out as a right tackle for the Seahawks and ends up becoming their center. Luke Jokel uh, was a left tackle for his whole career. Then they bring him in to play left guard. You know, like ju- just guys who are positionally versatile. I think Coleman Shelton uh, could be sort of that priority free agent who comes in and can be uh, kind of a depth offensive line piece that can fill a number of roles if things kind of start to get out of hand.
0: But let's look at now the av- most average linebacker there ever was, Keyshawn Beria. Um, And that's a good thing. Uh, teams know what they're getting with him. They're going to get somebody that yeah. uh, can contribute to special teams, give you a deaf player, a linebacker. You For know sure. what you're going to get. Most importantly, he is not a locker room headache like some of these other guys no, that we have listed so far. Not at all. Keyshawn Beria, Keyshawn do you think that with those traits, you know, being an average linebacker being average-sized, is that good enough to see him get picked up by a team in the draft itself? Or is he going to fall at somebody that might have to be a free agent
2: pickup? You know, I think he's right on the cusp. I think it would have to kind of be like a perfect storm of needs where you both like or a team is both looking for a guy that can come in and be a special teams impact player right away, but also needs an inside linebacker. Um, I could see him getting drafted just because I think he does have a very, very high floor. I think he's a guy who's pretty much a, a like a lock to make an NFL roster, uh, just with like the, just his on the field production. I think it's something that speaks a lot for kind of the player that he is. He isn't necessarily the biggest guy. Once again, he's only six one, six two, in around the two hundred twenty five pound mark. But he had an impressive uh, he had a, a, an impressive enough combine where he demonstrated some athleticism and quickness that he can get sideline to sideline. He's obviously a great kickoff coverage player. I could see him sneaking into the seventh round. I think that he will get drafted. I just haven't been able to find a perfect fit for him. Uh, Teams like the Buccaneers, again, come back up just because they were the worst kickoff unit in the NFL last year. The Denver Broncos were up there as well. Uh, If there's a team that is looking for some depth inside and needs a special team's stud right away I think that Keyshawn Beria is your guy
0: now before we get into UW and WC spring game takeaways let's get into a little rapid-fire debate could the state of washington support a juco football scene we hear this all the time the constant complaint that washington players are slept on they do not get a chance washington is not a slept on state there's plenty of scouts around here there's plenty of training centers if you're good you're gonna get recognized and what might surprise you is that there aren't that many states with a thriving juco scene you hear oh washington doesn't have a juco scene but everyone else does there are actually only eight states with a full-on junior college football scene. You got Texas, which is, duh, like Texas is known for its football. Mississippi, I and mean, we all saw a last chance here. They also have a ton of Juco football there. Minnesota, surprisingly, New York also has junior college football. You got Kansas, Iowa, Arizona, which what is what we hear a lot about, guys from Washington that aren't getting picked up by Central Washington or Linfield or one of the local teams uh, around here, they end up going to Arizona, playing for Western Arizona. Uh, California is another school, uh, sorry, another state that has a ton of junior college prospects. Then there are some states that have like two or three teams, North Dakota, South Dakota,
1: they have a few apiece. And just to get to your point or the the question of whether washington could support it i think it could but does it want like does it want to support that i mean i feel like we s- struggle enough supporting the division twos the division one double a's you know there's only one division two here the well i well, i know exactly and i i, I feel
0: well, like i'm talking about like the, i'm not talking about could the state itself support like could government funding i'm talking would there be enough players to go around to want to play like to me not all of these junior colleges are going to have a team, but if you list some mm-hmm. of the bigger ones like Bellevue, which by the way they have a college football program there, but it's not affiliated with the college itself. so you could th- you could play for the Bellevue Bulldogs but not go to Bellevue College. You could play for the Everett Red Raiders but not go to Everett Community College. But those are two teams that I think should have a if, if they were to make a junior college in the state of Washington, those should be the first two teams to be nominated. Also, if we if we were gonna like have like a six team division, uh, Yakima Valley YVC should have one. Spokane College should have one. Edmonds Community College and Wenatchee Valley should have one. Like those are six teams. Like you're not gonna give a, uh, a football team to every single like Columbia Basin or uh, yeah. like no. I'm not saying every single I mean, one's so gonna have. That's still a lot uh, of, a team. that's
1: still a lot of football players. You know, like that's yeah. Six teams, there,
0: um, forty are players there per
1: team. Like kids, they like, would want to keep like playing. Why? And that's tough to that's tough to try and and try and establish a scene now. Especially when you know, the the main purpose for people going to JUCO is to get recognized to go somewhere else. Therefore, why would you want to go to a school that no one knows anything about, you know, when there are already established school, you know, schools that have connections out in California, you know, obviously Texas. But think about all the somewhere. players
0: that don't make it to those schools. There's a lot like there's a lot of players that want mm-hmm. to keep playing that just quit because there's no other options out there. Yeah, but, but I'd say they, oh, they
2: couldn't I, okay. then reach the same level as those other JUCO teams because of that exact reason
0: there's none around but there's none around this is like it's like it's like a brand new idea they're not playing teams from texas there's nothing in idaho there's nothing in oregon there's nothing around like like oregon has a division three scene i'm not i'm not denying that they have you know their george foxes and linfields
2: well okay but, then i'm I sure mean, you could yeah, get Eastern i'm oregon sure you could well. fill rosters but it couldn't get to the yeah. point where it was like it has the popularity or the following or the talent level or anything like just just for the reason that it like Jackson was saying all like a lot of these schools have connections with with programs across the country and if you want to play at the next level or if you want to play at a higher level after a couple of years at a JUCO school then it going to like kind of a newly just kind of started up JUCO school isn't where you'd go to do it
0: well it takes i mean it takes a little bit of time to develop those connections but like, like, I, and I, I know what you're saying. Like, would WSU want a transfer from, from one of these uh, local schools? Would they be able to uh, garner enough reputation over six or seven seasons to have the credibility to transfer guys out to those schools or Eastern Washington or even Central Washington? I mean, there, there, there should be a point down the line where these teams are capable of feeding into some of those programs that have already been pretty established, uh, like Western Oregon, like Simon Fraser— but what, like are you saying like we should we shouldn't try like this isn't something well, I think it, would, is something that project
2: think, I think it could get to that point I, mean, I think it would take a few years and I think the, the other big thing would just be money because obviously you have to that's like, the big one that's, yeah <laughs> that's the big one and that's what it is for everything you know what I mean but like you know it it could get to the point where I mean Washington is a state that has a fair amount of football talent and if guys were wanting to stay. Close to home, if they weren't quite able to make it to the D one level right away,
0: or if they, they didn't want go, to go to Arizona, like yeah, exactly, to to, yeah, uh, they, o- they didn't want to go and Southern play, at, like
2: yeah, Redlands wherever. or <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I think but it, it would just it would be getting enough money to finance scholarships and have facilities that can help players improve as much as they'd like, they like
0: a weight room, including uh, you know, like, like shoulder pads, jerseys, helmets, like this stuff. If if it's if it's not through like how it is in high school, where you're literally just paying for all those equipment. Where's the money coming from? Well, they're having a hard enough time just paying for the baseball program and the tennis program and uh, soccer that uh you, you we we don't know where this money would come from. It, I don't know if it'd be donors or if the players would have to contribute a little bit there. but as far as the players go. Uh like do you guys think that there'd be a good chance that the rosters would be able to fill up with like like would you think that quarterbacks around the state would be jumping at the opportunity to play for Yakima Valley or playing for Bellevue uh if they had their own program like do you think that the players themselves would look at that as an opportunity rather than as
2: a step down I think if there were kids like if there were kids who played high school football that didn't get into schools I'm sure they would but I I just don't think that right away it would have it would be hard for it to develop the kind of draw that would be like I'd pass up going to just a school to learn, then I'm going to take a <laughs> chance on my football playing right, career right. and yeah. take play go to a junior college for two years and hope that it works. Although out. Although I know? do
1: think there is some a bit of an appeal to that as well, like you know, this is my obviously school, a lot of a lot of kids you know think they're capable of playing at the next level. So when they see themselves, you know oh, well, I have maybe an offer to go to, you know, Simon Fraser or, you know, Central, or do I go to junior college and wait it out for a year or two and see if I can go and play Division One? So I think, you know, there is certainly a level of appeal to that as well. Like, it's not just, like, do I, I can take this education here or I can take a chance on my footballing career. There also is, like, you know...
0: Well, well, do I well, well, hold Luke out? Argue- do I
1: hold out to to get a better situation?
0: Well, what Luke was arguing is that when he talks about like getting a justice degree or getting something uh, like more maybe more prestigious uh, start the education. They're talking like maybe I just don't play football at all. That's what you're saying,
2: like right, Luke? Like you just don't play football at all and you, and you forgo that journey. Yeah, yeah, that's right, what right, I was right. saying. I mean, I just think yeah. it'll be hard. I, I think it'll be hard to convince some of the kids, like some of the the real football talent that's like uh, I'm not quite good enough to play D1 mm-hmm. football. Let me just like, you know, like like I, like I like everyone has like a friend from their high school that got an offer to play at like Claremont mm-hmm. McKenna and decided to just go to yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. so it's like, is there like I, I just don't think there's enough to get that kid to be like, oh, I could actually go to Bellevue or Everett and play two years of JUCO and then transfer to Wazzu, right. you know? Yeah. Well, it's safe
0: to say that. that it's uh, it, it's it's very we're very far away from ever having a thriving JUCO scene. We might just want to leave the Texas and Mississippi uh, where that's kind of the the expectations is you play football or you go home and you don't do anything with your life because football kind of defines how you were raised, and uh, that's just not how Washington operates right now. But let's get into some UW Spring Ball right now. Um, first of all, I know that the UW Spring Game happened this past Saturday, and I'm very curious, Like, were people actually buying Nike merchandise still, or has, has it been kind of slowing down with the
2: sales right now? Um, I haven't been able to really kind of get a feel. I think by this point, most of the people who are at the Spring Game already have UW Nike swag, so... There like definitely wasn't a ton of like people stopping in the, the merch U-Dub, shops, right? Getting, uh, uh, picking like, up new yeah, reviews. exactly. Not, not, no one stopping in the bookstore, the shoe shop. They so they're still selling Nike the game. apparel. Yeah, they are. They'll still sell Nike apparel through. My understanding is July. I am mean, you, you you'd sure be an idiot though to pick up like a
0: hundred fifty dollars Nike jersey at this point. It's gonna be worth, it'll be worth five bucks in a month. <laughs> I mean, June thirtieth, my bad.
1: Are they on clearance racks? Yeah, exactly. Like, no,
2: at this point, at this point, like it just doesn't make sense to. I can't wait until like, what will be great? Yeah, exactly. There's this. There's a UW surplus store that's only open on Tuesdays to the public, but it has like, it will have infinite <laughs> Nike swag on July 1st, 2018. It'll be so sweet. That's gonna be ridiculous.
0: So in this, uh, in this UW spring game, um, do you like, were you happy with it? Like, uh, is was yeah. was it actually was it was it yeah. enjoyable at all? Like.
2: It was the best, it was the most fun spring game I've been to. Hmm. And so I I've heard been it's pretty miserable because like, they for. didn't really do anything for, I mean, they usually don't do anything for this. They've done way more than they used to, which is sad. Like, it, It's dis- not, dis- not sad, but it's descriptive of what like, a, like a, a program like UW prioritizes during the spring. They're trying to, they're focusing on doing their individual drills and getting better and working on their fundamentals than they are entertaining a crowd. But I'd say for the last 45 minutes to an hour was like legit scrimmaging, which was very fun to watch so the the first half was almost all individual drills and then yeah about an hour of scrimmaging after so it was it was the most 50-50 split of scrimmage and individual work that I've ever seen and I was entertained as a result and I'm sure the people that were there were 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 plenty fine with it too just like getting their first opportunity or their only opportunity of the year to see a live practice I'm sure they were they were fine those who did come and there were probably Like, a good, I'd say four or 5,000 people there, which obviously doesn't compare to, like, the Oklahomas or Nebraskas of the world, but it's still, I think, applaudable compared to what it's been in the past.
0: Uh, Jackson, you were at the WCU Spring Ball, uh, the final scrimmage Mm -hmm. of the spring camp, and there were about 5,000 people in attendance. Great crowd. Uh, Were you happy with what you saw from WCU Spring Ball?
1: Yeah, no, are you you talking about, like, performance on the field or just kind of, like, the the event in itself?
0: This is a team that can go into next season and win a pacto championship. Are you happy with how that team performs today?
1: Um yeah. I no, I think I, I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm pleased with how they performed. Uh you know Are they on track to win a pacto championship? Uh no. No they're not. I, w- I wouldn't say th- I wouldn't say they're on pa- on pace to so this is definitely you know is that your first takeaway no no that's not what my not what my takeaway was uh I I think my takeaways and I'll start with my first one being and uh, having to do with the offensive line is the offensive line is a little farther ahead than I thought they were um that yeah that's yes, good that's they good protected to hear. the quarter they protected their quarterbacks really well and because of it you saw really big day from Trey Tinsley um you saw Anthony Gordon managed the offense really well um so you know you saw some you saw things that you like to see from those two guys as a result of that uh, offensive line playing so well uh takeaway number two the secondary not as put together as I might have thought they have been either uh a lot of plays you know getting over their head behind their backs um and the the safety position for the Kooks has been a little bit of a question mark. Obviously, you have Jalen Thompson, who who's going to lock down the strong safety position, but for that uh, for that free safety position, you know, Skylar Thomas has been repping there. He's you know a smaller guy who can who can play the free safety, but also Dion Singleton, who who was a cornerback for for most of his career, um, a Chihuana Chihuana High School guy. Um, but they have moved him out to safety, and he—he he certainly looks more like a strong safety. But I wouldn't mind seeing him to play free safety alongside Jalen Thompson, uh, just a bigger body to to disrupt passes and, and kind of play the jump ball a little bit better because they—they don't have a lot of size in the secondary, and I think you know just watching the way that Desmond Patman and Desmond Patman is is a particularly big receiver, um, for anyone's standard. But uh, you know he he bullied around some of the cornerbacks, um, particularly one play where Anthony Gordon literally just threw a, a ball a mile up in the air, uh, about 32 yards to Desmond Pat, Desmond Patman in the end zone, and uh, you know he just put his hands up and reached right over Marcus Strong, who you know uh, a good cornerback to his own right, but just you know wasn't big enough to be able to compete with. Desmond Patman, who stands at 6'4", 220 pounds. Um, so he got, got mossed pretty hard. Um, so, I, you know, I'm interested to see what they do in the secondary.
0: Yeah, I want to acknowledge that the people on social media are saying that Oh, that nobody can to any of these games. The WC spring game, you spring game. Look, there's no shame in three or five thousand people coming yeah. out to these uh, these spring scrimmages. I mean what do you want to do? Do you want do you want the state of Washington to close the hiking trails, close <laughs> the piers, force the Mariners to play on the road, play full tackle, just hit the, beat the crap out of each other? Well, one thing they could do and it's actually like realistic is they could promote it more on campus. Like I don't know, the situation it is at WCRU yeah. Dub. I'm in the middle of, I'm in the middle of Ellensburg right now. But like put up flyers, you well, know, have so a have some players uh, yeah. tweet a little bit more about it. Like nobody that's ever talks about I this stuff was, on social that's media, what I was so wondering as well. Don't really know. You know,
1: they scheduled a game in late April, the sun's out at 1 p.m., you know. Oh, the sun yeah, just. I know, like, like it was right. a beautiful like, day in Pullman. It's I guarantee this is The first you, week of it being. Sunny I guarantee here. you, there could have been at least five thousand students that would have walked down to Martin Stadium and watched the game just to get you know. It's it's a it's as closest thing you can get to a Cougar football uh, Saturday until. Next semester, right? If they gimmick you know, it up, like yeah. you know,
0: this you know, drink you could sell game, it. drinking you could all that sell, stuff, yes. man. Yeah, like, you could definitely simulate it like it's a game. They just, dude, dude. uh in the state of Washington, like I know that UW has a great greatest thing in college football, but there's nothing that beats a Cougar football Saturday. And it and those students would kill for a chance to do that yeah, again, and, like in the middle of April. You know, like, I've if tossed that. Like, if, I've <laughs>
1: tossed that idea around to you know see what people think, and I've had very mixed uh, mixed opinions. You know, a lot of people think that you know no students. W- would come out for it. Well, is it? Not isn't it
0: like finals week right now? Like, aren't you guys getting set up? Yeah, no. It's so it's, like it's dead week right now. In academic yeah, mode. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah,
1: but I mean, like, people like it's only dead week. They're it's not finals like, week. <laughs> fr- like there are people that throw parties called "fuck your finals." So like, I I wouldn't be surprised if.
0: As in, like, 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 your neighbors, like, fuck yeah. off, <laughs> <We're> <laughs> a Like,
1: I'm just saying. <laughs> that's what it means, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, they're down with the idea of of drinking or partying in come in finals week. I don't think I don't right, think right, that's going right. to be the issue. You know, oh, I got too many finals, can't go to, you know, the spring game. Can't go. to I the spring I think it's an game. easy sell because it's just a walk away. It's like, ha- like you know. Isn't for, it? Yeah, it's right you know, in the middle for of the like For it's, people that live uh, in Spokane, it's <clears throat> you gotta go pay ten bucks, you gotta go pay for parking, you gotta you know, it's not like it's free, is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an hour drive or whatever it is, like to get for, from uh, if you get from if you put it
1: in Pullman, the all you have to do is convince the students to walk roughly five hundred yards down to Martin Stadium. And then show up. That's all you got to do. You got to so, make it appear. So I was unaware.
0: I, I assumed that, I assumed it was at Martin Stadium. You're telling me that they
1: played it. Yeah, they're right. They played in Spokane. Joe Albi. Uh, Joe Albi Stadium. What
0: the frick? Why? Why, why did they do that? Why well, they just I think because they Martin know Stadium? that
1: they have. They can go to Spokane. They can make money off of it. It's a. It's a very minor S- cash grab. Uh, oh
0: please, that is that is a little slimy, man. If, if well, you ask me, I don't and, know why well, this. And well, to that
1: point, you know, I also heard the point. Well. You know these Spokane, these Spokane fans. They drive down six or seven times a season down to Pullman. Might as well just throw them, you, you know, right throw, them a, it for, throw them a uh, bone yeah. and give them the spring game.
0: Oh, um, okay. Which okay I, yeah, you know, that's, that's
1: that's a big source for season tickets.
0: Well, I've ticket also sales, heard that, right? but I've Is also that, uh... heard
1: like, hey, if they're gonna also if they're gonna drive down for seven games, they'll probably drive down for the spring game too. So like, that's what take advantage too. of yeah, the students, like... and then you know <laughs> whoever shows up shows up. But like, you can really make it count with the students. But you don't make money off the. At the students. same time,
0: five thousand, five thousand times ten or whatever it is, plus hot dog sales. Yeah, you're making you're making good good money yeah. doing a doing a spring yeah. game. Uh, so maybe, maybe this maybe it just comes down to money. That's why they don't really care about numbers. Hey, we talked about that like, a lot.
1: But, but, like, money money makes but, sports but, go around. But, <laughs>
0: Especially at WCU, they need yeah. money right now. But there's no shame in three or five thousand people. I mean, the stereotype is there's nothing to do in Ohio or Nebraska or Alabama. Like there really is nothing yeah. to do there. Okay, so that's that's kind of the reason why they. I mean, seriously. I, I mean, this is like decades. Yeah. Well, and you know what's funny is accumulated disinterest in anything out, 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 to do in those areas. You know, to watch college football. Creme 2,
1: round. the the Spokane local news kind of kind of gave a shot to took a shot at the spring game, saying like, oh, no one. No one showed up, and I was like, "Well, you know, hold up, like let's wait." Creme two is is that the is that the TV yeah, broadcast? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, what? And I was like, "You, you, you, broadcasting it right now?" Oh well, no, they, I, I, no, they they, they, they didn't, aired, they didn't uh... broadcast it. They were just there covering it. Okay. But like, uh, it was just, it was broadcasted on Pac twelve. Oh, okay, networks. okay. But uh, you know, it was like, well, you know, five thousand people uh, at a you know a game that's not being played. Like, doesn't count. Yeah, it Does doesn't count, count for anything. For anything? Like that's i think that's pretty well and they're you know they're posting all these pictures about you know empty Joe albee stadium which you know, dude.
0: Okay, Joe Alva Stadium probably holds like what thirty thousand. Yeah, it's not gonna look if five thousand people are there, it's gonna look would, empty. Yeah, like, I don't still, know like, how
1: many it holds. And well, the thing is, like, it's not like everyone was. Yeah, they had 30, they had 000, other yeah. stuff. They had like this area. I, I think maybe for like season ticket holders that had like you know a barbecue going, and it was like standing area. So it's not like everyone was sitting too.
0: Yeah, not everybody's in a stadium. Not everybody. Like everybody it was very. They're, uh,
1: they're not. Yeah, it was. It was kind of like they they like took a picture of like one side of the of the bleachers and then kind of just said they didn't get the whole yeah, picture right yeah.
0: right yeah, yeah. <laughs> cuz not everybody's sitting in the bleachers not everyone wants to sit there yeah. and watch the game people are mil- like people are in the parking lot people are uh, yeah people are trying to get autographs they're trying to they're trying, exactly. trying to crowd around the locker area and but no it's 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 a fun event i don't think we should uh, there's a lot of stress going on in the world right now we shouldn't uh, be 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 really upset about spring football numbers It accomplished what needed to be done for both UW and WSU. But I think that about covers it for the news cycle this week in the Washington College and high school football scene. Now, before we get out of here, let's get into some plugs – Follow us on Twitter at Micah underscore Chen, at Luke M O U N G R, and at Jackson M Garner. You can find Luke Monger's work on dogman.com and Jackson Garner's coverage of W C football at the Daily evergreen.com. I know you were doing some spring ball previews. Have you kind of wrapped up yeah. through the uh, the W C football? Part yeah, no, right I'm going to be. So
1: it's well, shame, no, <laughs> so and I, I guess I'll take this time to kind of talk about what I'm what I'm looking to do next and. 'Cause I'll be back on I'll be back in Seattle for uh for most of the summer until about August first when they head back up for fall camp. Um so I'm I'm really gonna try and take an opportunity to to look at some some cougars on the west side. And, and you know, there's a lot of football guys who haven't made it I expect a lot of feature writing, you know, not as much uh analysis. Uh a little more of maybe maybe more poetry, I guess, you know, a little more poetic from from my writing. But uh you know, we'll we'll see what 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 happens and and who I can reach out to, but that's kind of what where I plan on doing for the the next couple months at least.
0: Go check them out at Jackson M Garner. I'm gonna I'm gonna be looking at a. Uh, I don't know if how much high school football spring ball I'll be really covering because uh, that that starts up pretty quick here. But as far as football coverage right now, Central doesn't want any media coverage right now, so you'll probably just get a lot of. I'm, I'm doing a lot of baseball coverage right now for uh, the, the Yakima Valley. But if you have any questions about the Washington football scene, send us an email, mikeachin at at yahoo.com. Your next episode of Washington Football Crunch will be next Tuesday, May 1st. Thank you guys for listening to the show. Peace out, everyone.